Welcome to the Responsible Finance Podcast, the official podcast of the Responsible Finance and Investment Foundation. I am Blake Good, the CEO of the RFI Foundation, a global nonprofit organization working to build awareness, promote research, and encourage convergence in the responsible finance industry, including socially responsible investment, ESG, Islamic finance, and impact investment. The purpose of the Responsible Finance Podcast is to connect you to the leaders behind innovative approaches to creating positive social impact in responsible finance. In this podcast, we talk to Jessica Robinson, founder and CEO of Moxie Future, who was previously the head of Asia for the UN-supported Principles for Responsible Investment. Moxie Future is the world's first insights, education, and community platform, empowering women as responsible and impact investors. Moxie Future has a report out now that is designed to address a gap in the data relating to what women investors are looking for. To start filling this gap, Moxie Future commissioned a survey of women across five markets, the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, and China. The results point to a huge opportunity for the financial sector to increase its contribution to the sustainable development goals and to improve its engagement with women, both employees and clients. Now, here's my conversation with Jessica. Welcome to the RFI podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I guess, first off, uh, could you just introduce yourself and in, uh, in Moxie Future? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, so my name is Jessica Robinson, and I have um, I'm the founder of of Moxie Future. Um, it's a it's really a platform, a sort of education insight and community platform that is really focused on empowering female investors to think about their investment decisions and how they grow their wealth through responsible and in impact investing. Um, I set it up really to, to really focus on women and, and to think about how women as allocators of capital play a role um, today and obviously tomorrow as we think more about things like environmental impacts, social uh, implications of our investment decisions. Um, and there really wasn't anything out there that focused specifically on women. So, so what I'm trying to achieve with Moxie Future is, is really being able to, to really work and empower and engage with women as, as investors. Uh, and you have a new report out that you've done some survey research in uh, the UK, the US, Germany, China and Australia. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So, so one thing that really struck me that there was a lack of comprehensive data and analysis on, on what women investors are actually thinking about when it comes to responsible investment. So we commissioned a survey of 500 women in five key markets, as you said, Australia, China, the UK, Germany, and the US, um, really to dig down a bit and really understand, you know, how motivated are women to think about the implications of their investment decisions? What are the issues that they are concerned about? And what's holding women back from becoming responsible investors? Um, And so the research is, is very much the first comprehensive piece of analysis that that looks specifically at women um, so we're really excited to to get it out there we published it it's titled understanding female investors women using capital to change the world and, and really what we want to achieve with this is to start to communicate how important it is that women play a more active role in their investment decisions um, and then also think about what the finance and the investment industry need to do to start addressing women and thinking about the value value drivers when they are making those decisions. One of the interesting findings that I know uh, that I noticed from the report was it mentions that uh, quote 
Among the women we surveyed for this report, 83% care about where their money is invested, 69% feel a sense of urgency to invest responsibly, and 63% are motivated to be responsible investors. How does that compare to the population as a whole, and how much uh, of these women are taking the next step in translating their beliefs about responsible investment into action? Yeah, um, this is an interesting question. So one thing that I have been asked is, is did we survey men? Did we have a point of comparison? And I have to say, we, we chose just to focus on, on women. It, well, it, we didn't want this to be a sort of men think this, women think that. This was just very much, women have this driver in terms of what they're starting to prioritize. Um, so so it is, it, I do get asked that quite often in terms of men versus women, but that was not what this report was really focusing on. Now, the findings are hugely positive. You know, with, with such a high percentage of women really thinking about, you know, what, where their money is going and, and wanting to do more. Um, and, and I have to say that was consistent across all five markets, which I think was, I mean, obviously there was some, some variation markets market, but, but generally it was, it was pretty high and pretty consistent. So I think, you know, those, those findings are hugely exciting because they're saying, look, there's this massive opportunity and a massive market need that we need to start doing more with this. Um, now the challenge comes, so to your point, you know, are, are women taking the next step? And I think this is, this is where we're, we are starting to struggle because we're seeing and we're hearing that women are motivated. However, there are several barriers that are really holding a lot of women back. Um, and we, we really identified those as being obviously a lack of time to, to really research the products and think about the investment options that are out there. Um, but also, sim you know, simple things around language and, and really understanding what the products look like and, and how they actually address the values that may, women may have as a priority. So, you know, I think there's, what it's telling us is that whilst there is this high level of motivation, actually, we still have some way to go to make it easier uh, for women to make these decisions, to make products more accessible in the market, to make them more transparent in terms of the environmental and social impacts that they're having. Um, and I think, you know, what we try to do in this report is actually say, okay, let's call on the investment industry and say, these are the things you need to start thinking about because there's this whole market out there that is sort of waiting to be served. Um, and, and to that end, I hope that the report is constructive in really trying to encourage the investment industry to move forward on this. One of the uh, ideas around the barriers that you identified that I thought was interesting was the lack of confidence that women report in making financial decisions because it's, uh, if you put it up against uh, the research that shows that women tend to be better at uh, balancing the risks and rewards in investment decisions, maybe women know more what they're doing than they would sort of otherwise give themselves credit for. And is there a way yeah. to activate that? And is that is there a specific role for for women advisors or is it something that, that advisors of, of both genders can uh, can help? So I think I think um you know I think this is a game that everybody needs to play in. And I think confidence is critical. Um, we know that the higher the level of confidence, the more likely women are obviously to make extensive decisions around, you know, things like environmental impact and so forth. So I think that really what we need to, to think about is how the role of financial advisors, how they work with women investors to increase that confidence, but also to recognize that we need to think about different ways to serve women as investors. So, 
you know, making things more accessible and, and creating certainly communities and forums where women can come together, confer with each other, peer-to-peer learning and sharing of experiences. Um, and certainly that's something with Moxie Future we, we are evolving and developing as well because we, we know that the way that, that women want to learn about responsible investment is through that interaction with one another. Um, and in terms of the advisors, I think I certainly think that, yes, we, we do need more female advisors as well. You know, uh, as an industry, it's, it's highly dominated by by, by men um, and actually if we can bring and encourage and support more female advisors to really to think about the market the female investment market I think um, it's, a, it's a really exciting opportunity and with the with the relationship with financial advisors one of the uh, sources of information that the women you surveyed said that they relied upon for a lot of their information was uh, online resources and are there specific strategies that that you've seen financial advisors take that have been really helpful for the investors uh, that, that can be done through an online, uh, online forum like that that maybe differ from how financial advisors are traditionally set up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, unfortunately, I think this area sort of remains fairly unexplored at the moment. I think, um, I think the problem is that we, we are still very much of a, a mindset around traditional financial services. And, and I think this is where technology is really starting to throw kind of a curveball at what the way that, you know, investors used to make decisions. And I think where we use technology, certainly to democratize that access to the investment opportunities and, and really to shake up the traditional financial advisory model. Um, I, I haven't seen good examples out there and that's where I think you know we need to start talking more uh how can we deliver that so women can be more engaged they can get more active in terms of the their decisions um you know and really also to be able to use that technology to showcase to the masses that you know here are these fantastic companies achieving xyz this is the kind of thing you should be thinking about when you're making the investment decision and then also really thinking how we use that to measure and monitor the impact. So, you know, the real-time data we can now have about companies' performance, you know, beyond just the financial metrics. So I think this whole, I think this whole area is, um, you know, it's ripe for development. And I think using technology is, is, is going to be critical to finding the solution. And one of the, one of the things that I thought was interesting, because you had four developed markets and, and one emerging market, China, and you found that a higher proportion of women in China relative to the other countries that you surveyed were concerned about responsible investment. Do you have any insights on, on what was driving that? Yeah, that's obviously a really, really interesting finding. Um, we included China because obviously the role that China is increasingly playing in green finance um, and so forth, we just really wanted to start shining a spotlight on China. Um, and that finding, I think, is, is fascinating. Um, perhaps I think the reason is obviously the visibility of some of the environmental issues, crises that are facing, um, you know, so I, I mean, there are probably different reasons as to why, um, but I do think that visibility and that increasing concern, particularly around environmental issues in China, is probably at the at the heart of why that finding, why that uh, piece of analysis came out so high. That seems to be, if you look back 40 years uh, to the U.S. environmental movement, that seems to be one of the driving forces is when people can see mm-hmm. see the pollution uh, in their day-to-day lives and they feel affected by it. Uh, one of the 
points that I thought was interesting with how do you translate that interest into uh, into action was that there's some disagreement between uh, within the sample between people who uh, viewed responsible investment as being focused on considering environmental and social impact, uh, and on the other hand, incorporating personal beliefs and values, which I, I can see there be some discrepancy between that, between how you approach the investment uh, product. Does that segment the market, that there's these two different groups? That's, that is a very good question. I, I don't think we could probably, we probably can't drill down to that level based on the survey that we've done. I think that, um, I think that certainly, yes, the visibility around things like environmental issues, um, you know, access to energy, uh, you know, things around obviously resource usage, water usage and so forth. I think that's easier for a lot of investors to really get to grips and understand, as opposed to some of the other things we may be thinking about, for example, gender diversity in a company. How does that then relate to the performance of a company? There's a lot of work that needs to still be done on, on these different factors and different issues and how it gets translated into value creation. Um, and I, I do think, you know, when it comes to investment product products, the thematic products, for example, low carbon funds, uh, resource type funds, etc. They're easier to understand and almost measure and monitor, whereas some of the other issues are possibly harder. That said, things are changing. You know, in the last six to 12 months, we're seeing, a, you know, a lot of more products come onto the market that really do look at non-financial metrics. So I think I think. Um, I think we're going to see much more progress over the next 12 to 24 months on this as well. And have you seen any, any financial institutions take an interesting approach towards, towards women investors that you think would be uh, good as an example of, of how, how companies uh, can do it? can do it well not really not really uh i perhaps i'm a little cynical but i i do feel that some of the financial institutions are are keen to grab the market but aren't necessarily fully listening to women as a as a as a client right as a, as a customer so i think I think, you know, we still need to be a bit more disruptive in terms of traditional financial systems and financial markets and think about, you know, women much more in much more depth and actually really getting to grips with this whole thing around values and how we, we use values in our investment decisions. Does that mean different, the different strategies for actually having discussions around values or is that uh, something that that's, can be designed through different products or is it a combination of the two? I think it's definitely a combination of the two. Um, I think that it's, it's partly having the initial conversations around, you know, what are your values and how do you want to translate this and then finding the products out there. I do think, you know, we all, we all play a role and have a responsibility to start being a bit more honest about some of the, the the things that are happening you know there, there's a big market myth that if you consider environmental social impact you will reduce your financial performance now we know you know for you and i and, and for those of us in this space we, we know there's empirical evidence that says that's simply not the case and yet financial advisors and many financial institutions continue, continue to promulgate that idea that notion um, so I think we need to keep pushing back and saying, look, that's not actually the case. And when you look at long-term value creation, actually, we know that when you factor in 
environmental impacts, when you think about gender diversity, when you think about, you know, the impact on your local communities, we know that these companies are, are performing much better. Um, so I think we all sort of have that responsibility to be a little bit more vocal and transparent in the market. Yeah, I saw a similar uh, discussion coming out of the high-level expert group on sustainable finance report about how investors have a long time frame and asset managers tend to have a long time frame, but the gatekeepers in between who are measured by short-term performance uh, somewhat uh, or create a barrier between uh, between those long-term goals and actually end up uh, promoting the ideas that short-term performance is how things are measured and uh, act accordingly in a way that doesn't always accord well with long-term performance. Yeah, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of myth-busting that I think we really need to, we need to do and we need to do more of. But uh, I, think, I think what's interesting is when you do look back over the last one to two years, we really are getting a lot more mainstream traction on the concept of responsible investment because, you know, even, you know, those risk managers, et cetera, they see this now as the way to better manage their risks and, and to actually create that value. So I think, you know, things are moving. They're just probably moving a lot slower than, than we, we, we need them to. Going into the results of the survey a bit more, there was a question about what are the most important outcomes that, that women are trying to achieve with their responsible investment. And uh, the top three were poverty, uh, healthcare, and climate change. And gender inequality was fairly far down the list. Mm. Uh, do you think that, re that reflects the concern being about how to understand how gender inequality uh, has an impact? Or is it that the factors that gender inequality leads to are much more sort of visible uh, that they move higher up the list. So I, I think, I think, well, firstly, this finding is quite interesting. I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me because I think, yes, obviously things around poverty and income inequality, healthcare, climate change, they are visible, right? So, so we, 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 we know that we can think about companies that are addressing these issues, right? Gender equality is, you know, yeah, as you said, it's hard to translate it into certain KPIs or criteria. So perhaps that's what concerns women when, you know, when they were responding to this survey. I mean, more anecdotally, I, I'm approached by female investors all the time um, who, who really, you know, that gender, that gender balance, you know, women on boards, et cetera, women, women support in the workplace, you know, those, those are hot topics. So even though it does seem to come lower down in this survey, I do think that it, it was, it's also possibly a reflection of what's tangible versus what's more intangible. So, you know, how you translate that into your investment. Um, but I do think if you were to take most female investors, gender diversity really is, it is a priority because we know that the companies that are respectful of that, that diversity and that support, you know, are performing better. And we're seeing a number of products now starting to come online, which, which really do look at that as well. Great. Thanks. That was uh... That was really interesting. Do you have any any final thoughts on the overall uh, findings of the survey and where uh, where people should look uh, to into the survey results in more depth to see how the financial industry can can take some of the findings and and improve and how it how it works with female clients. Yeah, I mean, I certainly start with reading the report. It's it, there's some really good stuff in that. 
Um, and, but I think we just need to keep talking and we need to really start focusing on women, you know, in terms of how they make these investment decisions, really to empower those wealth creating women who, who do want to sort of champion a new way of investing, you know, so that we actually get money to support those progressive and pioneering and sustainable businesses that we, we really want to be part of our future. Um, and I think the more that we talk and the more that we explore, the more pressure we put on the finance and investment industry, the better, um, because clearly something is not working now. Um, and that's what we need to address and then hopefully change. Yeah, I think that's a, a good message. And we've seen from the survey that, that these concerns are shared, shared widely. They're not just among uh, European investors or American investors. They're, they do have a global footprint. So I think there's... Yes there's a role for the financial sector across the world to, to address this. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Do you want to uh, share the website for Moxie Futures so people can go find the survey? Yes, absolutely. If you go to moxiefuture.com, uh, you will find it on the homepage to download the report. And I, I really welcome any feedback, any thoughts, any comments, please, please do share that with us. So, you know, we can continue to work on this area and, and we will be doing future research um, as well, of course. Great. And there's contact information on your website. And uh, do you have a Twitter feed for Moxie Future? Yes, all of our, all of our social media buttons are on, on the website. So please do go follow us, you know, share and engage with us. Great. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Blake. Thanks again for listening to the Responsible Finance Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. If you want to stay updated about RFI's work, you can find the link to subscribe to our newsletter on our Twitter feed, at RFI Foundation. You can also follow me, at Sharing Risk. Hope you'll join us for our next podcast, where we'll speak to Dr. Shireen Kunibaba, a senior lecturer of law at University of Malaya, about Malaysian Islamic banks' practices and ambitions in environmental stewardship.